today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. You don't know. We don't know. We have no clue what God will do with our momentary boldness, with our momentary willingness to speak or to do what He's telling us to do at that moment in that time. It may not be as bold as reaching down to a lame man and saying, Oh, walk, please. No, get up and walk, rise up. No. Maybe it's not that, but maybe it is just a simple word to a waitress or a neighbor or a family member or a friend or an enemy. Is your faith so deep that when God says to step out in bold faith, you do it? Or do you hesitate? Do you doubt yourself? Sometimes you even doubt God when you're afraid. You cannot see the plans that he has for you. You just have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Pastor David reminds you today that you have no idea what God will do when you step out in faith. If you hesitate, you could be missing out on a great blessing. You could be withholding a blessing from someone else. Be brave. Take a leap of faith. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapters 3 and 4 as he continues his message, The Power of the Message. And moving within their lives and now they're able as I said able to tie it all together in with everything that they've known since childhood and even though the enemy of the gospel tried to interrupt that work of the Spirit of God the Spirit still had his way with a multitude of these men's lives and they came to that point of surrendering their lives to that greater plan of God and their lives were changed by the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit, both then and for all eternity. The word says that 3,000 men came to Christ on the day of Pentecost, and now Luke tells us that the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now, discussion is, did 5,000 come to Saving Faith that day, or did 2,000 come, added to the three, making five? You know what? If it was 500, that'd be a lot of people anyway. A lot of people came to Christ that day, whether it be 2,000 or 5,000. A lot of men came to Christ. They came to Christ as a direct result of Peter and John taking a majorly bold step. A bold step of of coming up and telling a man who had been lame for 40 years, we're going to find out later in this verse, a man who had been lame from the womb, to go up to him and say, silver and gold, I, I, I don't have any. But let me tell you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's pretty stinking bold. I don't care who you are. And then they reached down and grabbed that man by the arm and pulled him up. 
the boldness that's there. They stepped out boldly in faith and a lame man walked. And beloved, not only did a lame man walk because of the boldness of Peter and John, but at least 2,000 more individuals, 2,000 more souls came into the kingdom. That's a powerful thing because of the boldness of that one step. But God's not finished yet. That's the exciting thing. God's not finished yet. That one bold step actually led to an opening up of of actually a, a, a powerful platform for the gospel. And when we look at this, we realize that what the enemy had had meant to do for evil, God's going to turn it around for good. And aren't we glad that God does that? Man, he he did it for Joseph in in relationship to his brothers, and, and he does it through all of his creation. Peter and John are now going to be able to testify freely, wide open, directly to the highest authorities in all of Israel. That's like taking you to the Supreme Court and saying, why are you doing the things you're doing? Why is your life different than others? What a great opportunity. You know, we've seen in our culture today because of some court cases and some, again, challenges against individual rights, the individual beliefs of not baking a cake for this one or not doing photos for this one, brought right before the Supreme Court. I would only hope and pray that the message once it got to the Supreme Court was as powerful as Peter and John's. Peter and John, they were taken into custody, and the next morning, They came, look what it says in verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5. It came to pass that on the next day, on the next day that rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as, as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Now, You understand that that Luke is writing this and he probably got almost all of his information from Peter as far as what's going on. I can just, my mind goes this way. I can imagine the conversation between Peter and Luke and and Peter saying, Luke, you, you, you wouldn't believe it, man. The size of the court, the, the, the power of all these men that were in there. Luke, it was amazing. God set this thing up and he brought all these guys together at one time simply that we might be able to share with them one more time the hope that's in the gospel. Luke, these were the power figures of all of Israel at that time. The rulers, the the elders, the scribes, Annas, the high priest, and, and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and and, and a lot of them from the family of the high priest. And all of them were gathered together, Luke. And John and I, we had the opportunity to share the gospel with them all. Luke, the Holy Spirit just took over, and it was powerful. You see, church, the enemy thought that he was having his way. The enemy thought that He had won because he went out and he arrested Peter and John, got them away from the crowds. But God was one up on them because God was setting a much 
stronger, a much more powerful stage for Peter and John to proclaim. And again, look down in verse 7. And when they, the rulers, had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, by what power or by what name have you done this? That's a sickum call to the dog, you know? It says like, okay, tell me why you're doing this. And it's wide open opportunity. And Peter, catch it, church, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you guys crucified, but God raised from the dead, it's by him that this man stands here before you whole. He brings him back to the Psalms as he declares, and this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. What a powerful message to these rulers, these teachers, these elders of Israel. Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and heard their message, they all repented and fell on their faces. (laughs) No, that's not what it says, is it? They perceived that these were uneducated. They were untrained men. And they marveled. I think, I think they marvel because of the boldness of their, the, of their message. And I'm not, I don't believe that that's probably all the words they spoke, but Luke capsulized the, the most powerful portion of it. They realized they were uneducated, untrained men, and they marveled. But catch this, guys, because this is the most important part. But they realized that they had been with Jesus. You see, it's not just the intellect, it's not just the training, it's not just the education, it's the reality of a relationship with Jesus and Peter being filled with the Spirit to be able to speak these things. Verse 14 says, and these elders, these rulers, these scribes, these power brokers of Israel, seeing the man who had been healed standing there with them, they could not say a thing. They could say nothing against it. Luke, I'm telling you, man, all all I did was share with them Jesus. And the Holy Spirit took the wind right out of their sails. Literally, he, he took their breath away, Luke. They were speechless. They could say nothing against it. And we did look at that a short while, but we need to back up real quick and, and cover it all. Again, Peter and John here on trial. Now that you know, again, all that took place, you can see the predicament that these rulers are in. You need to understand, these guys could have called for the crucifixion or the stoning of of Peter and John. They they could have done it right there. But what was standing beside them, that, that man who was healed, that was undeniable proof of the message that they were speaking. 
Draw that all together, church. The, the, the undeniable proof of what they're speaking with the lame man standing there, the, the, the fact that these guys understood, or at least they had a head knowledge of the words of the prophets, the promises of God, the covenantal relationship that God gave them. But once again, the kingdom of God doesn't come through intellect and, and, and the acquiring of more head knowledge that does not change an individual's lives. These guys, as rulers and teachers of Israel, they should have been able to connect all the dots the same way that the common people did out in the courtyard. Now in the courtroom, they are missing it. And the testimony of the power of God evident right before them, and they missed it totally. Their power and their intellect, I believe, actually got in their way. I'm not against intellect. I'm not against people being in places of authority. But beloved, when our intellect gets in the way of our coming to humility before God and throwing our hands up and saying, Lord, only you know and only you can do this thing. Beloved, faith comes through the spirit and truth. It's a matter of the spirit working in our lives to reveal the truth. There really was nothing these rulers could do. This, this lame man, previously lame man, standing right in front of them, walking and, and leaping completely whole. We speculated a little bit, and I told you, just go with me on the speculations. It's not scriptural, but I think it's found within the, 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 the surroundings of the scripture. I spoke about the fact that probably Peter and John had walked by that lame man many times, many times while they're particularly going daily to the temple, sometimes three or four times to the temple to pray. They would have walked right by that man. But that day is when God says, no, now you speak to him. Remember, we further speculated that even Jesus, when Jesus was in Jerusalem and when he visited the temple, he probably walked right by that man. And certainly Jesus would have been able to heal him. But again, in speculation, we said very possibly as Jesus walked by that lame man, he could have thought or perhaps even spoken to that man, God, hears your prayers. You will be healed, but not today. Just wait for it. Allow me to speculate one more time. Here we have all of these religious rulers. These guys had seen that man for years. They had seen him lame, unable to walk for years, and they walked right by him for years. And for years, there was nothing that they could do to help that man. None of their riches could bring about this man's physical or his spiritual wholeness. None of their religious training did anything to help this man in his situation. None of their temple authority, none of their ecclesiastical power could do anything to help this man. So day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, beloved, decade after decade, the guy had been 40 years lame. How many times did these rulers walk by this guy and probably tried to ignore them? And now he's standing right in front of them, whole, physically and spiritually complete and whole. And seeing the man who had been helped standing with them, they could say nothing 
against it. And so we get down to verse 15. When they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these guys? For indeed, that, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We can't deny that. But so that it spreads no further among the people, I've got an idea. Let's just severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And all these high intellect and power brokers of Israel said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We, we, we can't deny the message, so let's silence the messenger. And you know what? That's still the trick of the enemy today. He can't deny the message. But if he can silence you from speaking out the message, then even the truth of the message, the power of the message, if it doesn't get spoken out. So they said, you can't do that anymore. But beloved, it didn't work then, and it shouldn't work now. Verse 18, and they called them back, called Peter and John back in. They commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John left the room greatly sorrowful. Does everybody have your Bible? <laughs> That's why you need a Bible in here, okay? No, Peter and John answered and said to them, rather it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Oh, church, if, if that was the heart of every believer today, I can't do anything else other than to speak what God has done in my life, what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced in my life. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For this man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. I want to close it with just a couple of points, a couple of questions to you. A couple of things that each one of us need to ponder, need to consider within our own hearts and minds. Number one, is your personal faith in Christ of, of such a depth that you're actually willing to take bold steps of faith when the Spirit says, step out now or speak now. Let's go back again, speculate. Peter and John walking by this lame man. The Spirit of God apparently didn't tell them times past to speak to that man, but that day he did. What if Peter and John said, no, not today, we're kind of late, we're running late, the music has already started, worship has already, you know, sorry, I need to get into the temple. What if they had denied what the Holy Spirit was telling them to do at that day? Not only would that lame, and I know I'm speculating here, but go with me for a moment. Not only would that lame man not have been healed that day and delivered, but also when you look at the fact of at least 2,000 individuals came to saving knowledge of Christ. And not only that, but then the leaders of Israel once again hearing 
the gospel message. Beloved, you don't know. We don't know. We have no clue what God will do with our momentary boldness, with our momentary willingness to speak or to do what he's telling us to do at that moment in that time. It may not be as bold as reaching down to a lame man and saying, oh, walk, please. No, get up and walk, rise up. No, maybe it's not that, but maybe it is just a simple word to a waitress or a neighbor or a family member or a friend or an enemy. Maybe it's just the boldness to say one more thing one more time. We don't know what God will do with that. Secondly, is your commitment to Jesus Christ so strong that you're willing to stand up and proclaim Christ whatever the cost? Whatever the cost. Remember, as I said, Peter and John, they could have been ordered by, the, by that high court to be stoned. They, they could have been ordered to, to be, even be crucified. I mean, they crucified Jesus. Why wouldn't they do that to Peter and John? There's a lot of things that could have gone wrong that day. But are you willing and are you so bold and are you so committed to the Lord that you're willing to say, Lord, whatever the cost is, whatever, whatever the cost is in my own life, I'm willing to stand up for you. Not in some obnoxious way. Let, let the cross be offensive. Not you, okay? There's enough offensive Christians. You know, uh, none of you are that way, I know. But there are enough obnoxious and offensive Christians. Let the cross be the offense. But are you willing to face the results of whatever may come when you speak of the cross and of hope found in Christ? You know what? There's a lot of believers that declare, I'm willing to die for Jesus. But really the question is, is are you willing to live for him? Are you willing to live every moment of every day for his glory? That's the harder question. Dying for Jesus is a moment. Living for Jesus is day in and day out. Remember, even as Paul shared, as I shared earlier on, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Does that power live in you? Do you know for certain that Jesus Christ lives within your life? That your life has been surrendered into his hand? And that if you were to die today, that you know that you would enter into the presence of Almighty God as your loving father and not as your eternal judge. If you've never made a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never surrendered your will to his, if you've never received the payment for your sin that Christ paid for you, I need to know that my sin is forgiven. I need to know that I can truly have a relationship with Almighty God as my Father. Take that opportunity. Don't let the enemy interrupt what God is doing in your life. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. 
Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word.